This is a Pod One production. For more information, visit podone.co.uk. Meet Caroline, a digital and advertising specialist who offers straightforward, jargon free advice. On her podcast, Caroline delves into the fascinating world of successful professionals. She uncovers their unique stories and explores what drives their success. So join her as she embarks on a journey of inspiration and discovery. And now, let's meet Caroline. Hi everyone and welcome to the very first episode of Meet Caroline. On this podcast, I'll be chatting with extraordinary individuals from various walks of life, aiming to uncover the secrets behind their success, motivation and what truly makes them tick. In my own professional journey, I've had the privilege of working in the dynamic and ever-evolving world of publishing, digital marketing and advertising. But throughout my career, I've always been captivated by the stories of remarkable people. But this podcast isn't just about business achievements, it's about connecting with people on a deeper level. It's about embracing the power of conversation and discovering what truly makes each guest unique. Time to meet my first guest, and this is someone really special. She's known me longer than anyone else in the world. It's my big sister, Rebecca Baker. And the first question I asked her was, what did she think when I showed up? Initially, I was excited to get a baby sister. Can you remember that story called My Naughty Little Sister? Yeah. Yeah. And that, you emulated that. You were cheeky, you were gorgeous, you were... This, but you said to me, mother, didn't you? Is that baby dead yet? Yeah, but when what happened? Then, what happened? I remember. I was telling you, you about that. that the other day, no, but what happened? The other, I remember. Can you remember we were walking down Vernon Lane the other day? Yeah. Vernon Way. Yeah, yeah. I remember meeting my mother at the bottom of there, and she'd gone up to the hospital because you had that jaundice when you were a kid, and had to sit under them. Um, you know them that ultraviolet lamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to sit under there, and she came back, and I thought. My mother's coming back and I went up to her and I said, is that baby dead yet? <laughs> Can you imagine that? So no. that's how I felt. Can't. Yeah, but that's Can't. how I felt about you. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but one of my, I also remember, it were your antics. So I remember we used to always go, cause, you know, because we were legends, we used to go and stay in a caravan at Skegness. Oh, wow. Uh, and I remember being in this caravan. It would all us raining, weren't it? Yeah. I remember one year my mother kicked off and said, we're never coming back here again. <laughs> and we never did. <laughs> We've never been to Skeggy since. <laughs> but um, we, it was this one particular day and we were having fish and chip tea, as you do. So my dad, it was a treat then. It, was, it weren't like you always used to have fish and chip. It was more of a treat back in the day. I remember my mother saying, uh, my, my dad says as he went, uh, can you, uh, will you get something for Ben? And my mum says, oh no, she's not bothered, she's gone to bed. It must have been about seven o'clock, something like that. So we're all sat round having his dinner, um, as tea when my dad came back and uh, all of a sudden, a pair of fingers reached. Little fingers. A little, little fat pink no. fingers. <laughs> reached slowly over the table and silently removed a chip. So obviously this had been going on a while. But and, and, the, and I remember my mother like pointing at the thing at the area and the, and the table fell silent and we all looked and then once again 
<laughs> the fat, <laughs> hungry fingers came over and removed another chip. That thieving finger. I thought, this thief. It's her. It's her again. <laughs> this baby that should have needed your <laughs> <laughs> it's back oh dear yeah do you yeah. know what you remember and it's completely the boggy blaster yeah <laughs> <laughs> I say what about um, one other thing I just want to say is about my grandma breaking, talking just my grandma breaking us up with a broom handle oh yeah we were, we were in his 30s we? <laughs> around with my grandma's house and you Disparaged me. A fight broke I think you disparaged me. In the living room, and she ran in and broke us up. Yes, she did. You wouldn't mess about with my grandma. She was the boss. Yes, she was. I used to go around and a beautiful fool. She had had a cup of tea and me and Bernard. Yeah, me and Bernard. Me and Bernard get £76 a a week and we have. Beautiful. We do, form. and we do what we want. Yes, and we, we do I dress what we beautifully. want. I dress beautifully. <laughs> I, la- I go to Bon Marsh once a month, and I, I look tidy. Oh. <laughs> she was wonderful. Bless her. She? Helen. Bless her heart. Yeah. Helen. I'm named after Helen. Yeah. That's my middle name. Yeah. And you're named after Mum. Yeah, Margaret. Yeah. Describe the work that you do. And tell me further to that. How you got into your line of work? Tell me all That's about lots it. Lots and lots of questions. No, it's not. It's no, two. It's two. I know. But Describe it, what you do. There's multi answers to it. So tell me the. Ask me the first question again. Describe the work that you do. So I'm a family law solicitor, and I work for Catrills in Wakefield, and my work is basically divorce. Mm-hmm. So I help if somebody wants to get divorced to come to me and I show them how. Mm-hmm. But the more important aspect of that is the financial issues arising out of the divorce. And doing that is um, quite complicated and long-winded, as you can probably imagine. Mm-hmm. And I also help people um, agree their arrangements for children, mm-hmm. domestic abuse issues, and I take it to court if necessary. What's the difference between a lawyer and a solicitor? A solicitor is... Um, just that a solicitor, but a lawyer is a more generic term for all the other kinds of lawyers there are. So when I was a legal executive, before I was a solicitor, I was a lawyer, but I'm also a lawyer as a solicitor. Ah, right, I see. So paralegal, the relatively junior lawyer, mm-hmm. somebody who hasn't got any formal legal qualifications but practices law, mm-hmm. can also be known as a lawyer. How did you become a lawyer slash solicitor? At first, we're <laughs> going to be a hairdresser. Wow. That was the plan. <laughs> and then I was speaking to a very good friend of mine's dad, James R. Rock, and he said to me, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I didn't know. I wanted to be, well, I didn't want to be a hairdresser. It seemed like the only option. But he told me about working as a legal executive. He said, come to Roger Worth Training Scheme and you'll earn the grand sum of £35 a week and you can work either for towels or you can work for Jack Danaher. Just do an apprenticeship and just continue to train with them as an office junior and everything else that they want you to do. But you can do this legal course Mm. at the same time. Why family law? Why family law? Mm. Because it, it wasn't family law to start with. My background's in crime. So it started with the criminal element and I used to go to Crown Court and sit behind barristers Mm. and take notes for Jack. Mm. So I used to say, go to court and be my eyes and ears. And that's what I did. Mm. And I loved the court. I loved Mm. the atmosphere of it. And I used to remember these barristers walking down, one lady in particular. She had a wig on and she had her cape and this fabulous suit. 
and a pair of tights with a seam up the back. Oh, wow. And I just thought, do you know what? I want a bit of that. I want a bit she, of that. Yeah, she, she like inspired me. And I used to love the court building as well when it was the old style court building. Yes, yes. And yeah. it, just, it just seemed to be, I felt like I were in the right place, I think. So what lessons has your work life taught you? What I've learned is that you'll get that version of events, your client's version of events, you get the other party's version of events, but the truth's somewhere in the middle. It's about people's perceptions of how they've gone through something which tells the story to you on the day, and it's not necessarily what's happened in reality. Mm-hmm. I get it. So it's like about perception. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> if you could do anything now, if you could choose any job in the world and money wasn't a thing, what would you do? My mind goes to counselling. Oh, okay. Straight away. I don't know why. I think what I'm interested more than anything else is in people and their stories. So I suppose there must be an element of counselling about what you do. Well, massively, massively. Yeah. I'm like a hairdresser. Yeah. Weirdly <laughs> enough. I am yeah. because people come in and they tell me everything mm. and anything, mm. relevant or not. I am absolutely a confidant. Yeah. And... They walk in the room and they're talking to me and it's about, I mean, it's about issues that are really important to them. But mm-hmm. I let the, I listen to that because I think that informs the result in many cases. Yeah. I've got this thing that I say to everybody, we go through the kind of fact finding and the law and everything like that. And then I say to them, if I could hand you a magic wand, what do you want? Mm. And if this, and when they give me the answer, I write that down and I try and move towards that outcome as closely as possible. Mm -hmm. You can't always get that because people answer that question having seen daft things on telly or what the Mm. mate's telling them in the pub, which is not necessarily what the outcome's going to be. But I do manage expectations, but I try and get as close to that outcome as that magic one moment that they've said to me. What I find is that the older generations tend to come in sometimes, and a gentleman came to see me recently and he put a suit on. And the reason he put a suit on, and it it kind of... I don't know, he, he was scared. He was, he was scared when he came in and he put his best suit on and we were like sat there. And I just thought it's a massive deal to you. And I always try and respect that when people come in and see me because mm. when you come and see a solicitor, you are absolutely at a point in your life where what you thought was going to happen has changed. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You've found that all of a sudden everything that was planned is going to be different and Mm. it's terrifying Mm. it's absolutely terrifying Mm. so i think people aren't necessarily scared of me Mm -hmm. but i think they're scared of this huge chasm in front of them that they're expect Mm. that's opened it's opened already it's there Mm -hmm. there's there's life in in its terrible glory and they've got to they've got to wade Mm. through it and i i said to people i say you know I know it's really scary, but, you know, if you're going to climb Mount Everest, Mm -hmm. you've got to do it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. So let's just take the first step Mm -hmm. and not worry about the top. Let's just keep going. Mm -hmm. And that's that's where I how I see my role. But I think I think the thing is, though, is that people's perceptions of lawyers, solicitors. 
is it almost that they're intimidating because of like the level of education or like you know like, like you're expecting that they're going to use jargon i think they think you know more than what you do people right. seem to think that i've got this somehow like i've got a judge on the phone you've got some or i've got, got i'm an old seeing all no, yeah <laughs> I, I can see everything and know everything and like mm. you know it, it, it's a bit weird they think that we're going to make the, the decision makers and we're not there for that we're there to guide them through the law yes um, using the facts, using the evidence that we've got, mm -hmm. and we're trying to get to the magic wand outcome, as mm -hmm. I've said already. It's kind of the, the, the and I, I think the education point is another thing, but there's many solicitors who aren't like me, mm -hmm. you know, because I've got this Barnsley accent. I'm very down to earth. Mm -hmm. I kind of, you know, possibly don't look like a lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I am, I'm different yeah. to other people, but I think. That's where my strength is, because I like people. It's my highest value serving people, I think. I've always felt like I want to give value, and I love it when people listen to me and my advice gives it. It sounds a bit narcissistic. No, it doesn't. Do you know what, though? I, um, what I was going to say to you was, was that do you think, what do you think has given you that core value? Because my dad. That's I knew, I knew you were going to say that. Dad. Because we obviously had the same upbringing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had the same upbringing. So would you say that he was... It's sad because I, I sort of said in the last podcast that we'd lost both as parents. And that was one of the reasons why I thought it would be good to have you on because you would get to tell the story then from your side. Mm. Because you were there. There's four years difference between us. You're four years older than me. Um, and you know obviously you had the same experience as me and it was horrible what it was for me Caroline felt like we had this I always call it jelly and ice cream childhood I don't know if you remember but we were oh, always God, in yeah. Lock Park we were always messing about in rhododendron bushes we mm. were always making um, perfume yeah making perfume that smelled always, horrendous yeah horrendous smelling perfumes <laughs> we had it can you remember my dad in that can you remember the grunder hunter in the garage yeah my dad like we smashed yeah. his garage down with swinging meadows yeah so my dad used to like kind of <laughs> he, he rolled a carpet up as a swing yeah i don't think we had he thought oh well we had a lot of money didn't I'll we i'll do something nice for kids i'll do something nice for kids i'll make I'll a carpet i'll get this carpet up from back garden i'll roll it up there was it's good talk about making doing men yeah um but I, I, that's what I remember. We had this wonderful childhood and all his mates were always there. And I had this dad who I adored. It's making me feel emotional that's saying right. it. It's um, emotional. It's, it it's horrendous, isn't it? And we had this mum and they were in love and then boom. Boom. That's exactly what that's happened. That's just what happened. Can you remember, remember that advert? That... Um, it's you. you <laughs> no, I think I'm pretty sure no, that, that, was, that, that was propaganda for war. Weren't no, it wasn't. No, we didn't lottery. Oh, we didn't no. win lottery, no, did we? Didn't win lottery. I, I think we. I think we won lottery with him, though. No, definitely. But um, would you say then that he was one of the most important people in your life in terms of work? I do probably. I mean, the thing is about my dad is I've put him on a pedestal over the years. He's like mm. I can't even remember. I can't. I can remember him, I can remember the essence of him, but I can't bring him to mind, do you know what I mean? Can you remember his speaking voice? No, I can't. Ah, I yes, can. I can, actually. Yeah. I can remember his speaking voice and his hands. 
and yeah. the lead in his hands. His hands are very like mine, actually, but yeah. I can remember exactly where the lead from the pit was in his hands. Yeah. Um, but that's what I remember about my dad, that work ethic, that always going to work, always wanting to earn money. Mm. Let's have a decent carry-on. Mm. Um, go on nice holidays. Yeah, yeah, and then after the pit shut, I remember him retraining as a, what you call it, as a... Financial, financial advisor. advisor. Yeah. So, again, he was demonstrating to me a huge, uh, like, ethic. I think what he... That, that career hasn't worked. Yeah. Instead, I'm going to retrain and do something else. Yeah. You that's, of course, when it happened. Well, exactly. We're just on the cusp of it changing, yeah. weren't we? And yeah. then, but I think it's, um, who was it? Who's the, uh, right, I'm going to say something now. Charles Darwin said something along the lines of um, the species that is most adaptable to change is the one that will survive. And I think my dad will like that. Obviously, he adapted to that change and, yeah. and didn't survive. No, but the, um, that's not true, is it? Because the no. thing is, is that what happened to him was an external event. Yeah. And that, 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 but the thing is, is what, what you're saying is right. Because my dad's one, one revenue, one income stream uh, dried up for him. So instead of dwelling on that, what he said, it, what he did was, what can I do next? What a What's legend. What's the solution to the problem? What a legend. And I think I get that from him. I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Wanting I think... to go to work and wanting to find solutions are mm. massive. Uh, I'm driven by it massively. Yeah, I, I 100% the same. So even though we've got had very different career paths, the core thing is very, very similar. <laughs> so would you say that that was, um, I, I don't want to dwell too much on, you know, sad things, but like losing my dad, would you say it was one of the saddest things? I think losing my dad was a defining moment in my life and he will always be there and I will always feel sad about it, but I think it was a gift as well. Yeah. I think what it did for me personally, and I think it's done it for you as well, mm. is it gave me um, independence, it gave me resilience, it showed me that I could survive, mm. that I had character. And then when it happened with mum, of course, mm. you know, four years later, mum, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, again. It's you again. <laughs> yeah, and when Aww. it happened with Mum, it was again. Um, it was it was just that thing where we we had each other, didn't we? And yeah, we, and we we. We got through it. I, we can get through of anything. Of course you can. Of course Absolutely you can. Be, anything. But the thing, more than one person has said to me that me and you were each other's mum. You know, as we've got older. Yeah. And in a way, I sort of get that. So who would you say then um, is the biggest influence on your life then, apart from me? Oh, it's not you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, I knew you'd think it were you. Do, do you bring it round to me yeah, all the time. always about Caroline. <laughs> well, it what we do. Well, what's this podcast called? Ah, well, exactly. <laughs> Come on my podcast so I can pretend to talk about you. <laughs> the reality is I'll talk about myself. About then. Um, who is my biggest influence? I think it's my dad again, isn't it? Maybe? Probably. It's, probably it's, it's not my mum. No. But it, it's, I think my dad. Mm. Jim Arthur Allett. Yeah, let's Legend. just, yeah, let's just uh, call him out. Yeah. So um, bringing it back round to me, because of the mm. podcast then, what, what is your, obviously we shared this lovely jelly and ice cream childhood in Garber, near hospital. Um, what's your convenient for while things pan down? <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason for everything. <laughs> God. Um, 
what's your favourite memory of me, me and you, as 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 girls? Oh, so many. Yeah. I've so many. Yeah. I remember going down Garber Fields with Amy. Oh, yeah. I remember, oh, I've so many. I think my favourite one, my favourite one was when I tried to kill you. <laughs> It was. I, I remember. I could not stand you. I wonder why. The thing is, is that I think our deep love for one another came in the latter years. When, when we realised, you know, when everyone died. Yeah, we realised that we had each other. But what, what, the, the mo- one moment that I will never forget is saying to you, Caroline. Do you think you could do a cartwheel down the stairs? <laughs> yeah. And the beauty about you is that it. you would do anything. Yeah. You, you were fearless. And there you went with this cat. And you know when you see somebody do something and it goes in slow motion? Yeah. And as, it went, as you went, I thought, oh my God. Let's I not thought, tell my mother about no, this No, because I heard my mother go, what is that noise? <laughs> And I heard her running upstairs, so I got—I was in lots of trouble for that one. So I remember that, but I also remember this weird thing that we did when we used to stand on the wardrobe. Oh yes! And shout, "Mum's coming!" And then leap off the wardrobe yeah, onto why the did bed. Do no idea. No idea. Our children's strange. Yeah. So you being a parent then? So obviously we did all that to my mum and dad. Yeah. So what about you being a parent? Did you always know you wanted to be one yourself? Is it because we had such a nice childhood? Until it all went pizza. I don't think I wanted kids initially. I think I wanted kids when I met my husband, Billy. I see. Um, and then it was just, because I was that age, I think the biology takes over, doesn't it? And it were TikTok, TikTok, and I really wanted. Yeah. Um, I really wanted Rose. And yeah, it was just that. It was just the natural um, maternal urge kicking in, I imagine. So in terms of being a parent then, that sort of internal thing kicking in and TikToking, is it different to what you expected? Absolutely, it to be? it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. What, what it is, what it is, is my. I've got two daughters, so I, strange actually, because my life almost mimics my mum's. Yes. Um, okay. But I've got these two lovely, lovely girls who look just like me and you, don't they? Yeah, they do. They look exactly like the eldest one looks like me and the youngest one looks like you. Mm. And I think that um, being a parent is probably the best thing I've ever done. They are. Yeah, amazing. But I think it's you know it's it's wonderful. But I'm not but a natural mum. No, I'm not. I'm, I can't be doing with the noise, mm. the clutter, the carry S- sudden on. movement, sudden movement, sudden screaming. It's, it's nice, absolutely exhausting. It's exhausting. It's terrifying, terrifying, challenging. It's yeah. And the thing is with me, the problem I had because of course out of the two of us, I was the first one to have a kid. I remember. And I, oh my god. And I remember mm-hmm. having her and thinking. Because you have a baby, don't you? You get pregnant and then you're looking forward to having this baby and then you have the baby. And I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do with I this I didn't baby? think that. Oh, I did. Do you know what? This, this but is, I was the first one to do it. Well, this, this is how naive and silly I am. When I were pregnant and I were going to have a baby, I genuinely thought... I didn't thought, think they were going to let me take it up. I didn't think I was going to survive it. <laughs> and so therefore, what happened where is that I'd never even given any thought to... Like, you know when he didn't sleep through at night, it shocked me. Because I never, I just thought, well, I'm not going to survive, Bear. Anyway, um, did you enjoy school? I absolutely loved school. Tell me about that. Tell me where you went. I loved primary school. So I went to Gober, J and I, as it was then, and our children now all attend the yes. same school, don't they? So yes. we've got that all repeating. Um, so I absolutely loved uh, being at Gorbert. 
and then I moved uh, up to my secondary school, which was Kingston. And I remember feeling huge amounts of uh, anxiety about it. And I remember the first day I went to Kingston because my dad took me to the bus stop at the bottom of Limesway. And I remember being stood. And I remember, um, I can't remember what he said to me, but there was that support from him. I got on the school bus, but honestly, the first day I got there, I thought, I absolutely love it here because I, I'm an observer and I like to carry on. Do you know what I mean? They were mm. like, there's all the fights breaking out in corridors. It weren't the, it weren't the, um, it weren't the best school in the world. It was a good school, but it were, there were lots of people from lots of different backgrounds and it was a bit of an eye-opener for me. So how do you think your classmates would remember you who oh, you went God to knows. school with? Well, to be fair, my classmates who I was in school, uh, school with, the people who I spent most time are still my best mates today. Right. So they know exactly what I'm like. Um, others, I don't know. I just think they would have... Um, I don't think they'd be surprised that I went on to, you know, follow Great a profession things. or... You're all professionals, though, aren't you? Like all people, like your your circle of friends, or you went to school with. Well, they're all teachers. So they they right. all became teachers. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm the only lawyer. I'll tell you what's happening with me at the minute. I'm 47 now. Both our parents were 48 when they died. Believe it or not. Yeah. So mum was 48. And I know it was at different times, but they were. I think they had four years apart. Yeah. Mum and dad, four or three or four years apart. Four I years quite apart, remember. same as us. So they died four years apart, obviously, but they were both 48 when they died. And do you know what? I'm 47. My mum had one more year to live. When she was my age, she was fighting cancer. So every single day, you know, if I've got a problem, or and we all have problems, we all have issues. If I feel like that, I always think, do you know what? Whatever I've got to deal with, it was nowhere near as bad as what my mum had to deal with, so I can do it. Mm, and I use things like, I use what happened as fuel for my fire. Mm. And I'll continue to do so. Because mm. I think, I, I just, I just well, want to be an example. Do? Well, I want to be an example to my daughters. Mm. Um, and I want to do the very best I can do. And I want to offer as much value as I can. Yeah, absolutely. Here, here. So um, going on to the sort of thought process of like uh, losing my mum and dad like we did and stuff, did you have any sort of um, spiritual beliefs that maybe supported you? A lot of people do turn no, to... I don't believe in God at all. Oh, okay. No, it's a very firm no. Uh, no, well, it is a firm no, but having said that, I think what I don't believe in probably is organised religion, but I also accept that absolutely everybody does what they want yeah. and everybody should do what they want. And if somebody derives comfort from something, they should 100% do it. Um, what I personally believe or what I personally think, I'm like more about nature, possibly a bit wicker, mm -hmm. a bit Same. pagan. We're, we are a bit like that, aren't yes. we? We've always like kind of... A, believed in something but i'm not quite sure what i can't when you look at a tree and the if you look at a tree you know at any time they be, when the leaves are off it the tree looks like a human lung mm -hmm. do you know what i mean yeah and if you look there's loads of parallels isn't there between us and nature and mm -hmm. i think that in itself is magical like the cabbage breastfeeding thing oh yes i mean why, why does that work I don't know. cabbage. Just I mean, explain that, the cabbage breastfeeding well, thing for the people. Well, it's kind of personal, Caroline, to be honest. Well, just say but it. in breastfeeding, <laughs> when, you, when you become 
engorged, shall we say. Yeah, it's not, well, oh, when you start, you, you, you wear a savoy cabbage leaf as um, within Which the bra cup, area. Which cups the breast beautifully. cups the breast beautifully and resolves the problem immediately. It's amazing, isn't it? It is incredible. So that's a miracle. Yeah, it is, yeah. You can't help but the whole thing it. is, the whole thing is, I mean, you think about a baby... If you think about we can grow it, just the human body in itself, yeah. it is such... And for me, I kind of believe in magic, but not Harry Potter magic. I mm. kind of believe in the magic of the universe and mm. all that. I think that science and magic are the same. Yes, I agree a thousand percent. I've always thought that. Mm, you know, um, I am exactly the same. It's like, a, you know, especially... I think that when you become a parent or if you have a, a child, if you're a, a lady, like at times... I mean, I just thought, I remember thinking, oh, it's, I hated pregnancy. I felt so poorly. But at the same time, I was so glad that I got to do it. So let me ask you a question. Oh, then. no. Come no, then. I'm allowed to ask you a question. <laughs> so if you could come back, would you come back as a man or a woman? <gasps> a woman. A thousand percent, I agree. <laughs> because as, you, I, you love, like I love, I love men. You? Right, I love yeah, men. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? We've yes, got no problem with know, that. Yes. You know, I'm not, I, I am a feminist, but I'm not a feminist in the sort of angry. I think the thing is, there's lots, bra there's, well, there's of, lots of negative connotations with feminism, isn't there? Which is unfortunate, I think. Um, but I am a feminist. Uh, where am I going with this? Um, I'd come back as a woman because I get to have children. I get to wear nail polish. Eyelashes, false eyelashes. False eyelashes. Lipstick. Um, Lipstick is my superpower. I get a level of connection with other people, like my female friends, that I think men don't talk as much as women, which I think they should. Mm. Um, I think that's why there seems to be a, a lot of problems with men's mental health at the moment. And I think they there should. Is actually. If they could. Um, I think men need to talk more. That's what I'm saying. Like, like I, be vulnerable. I know so many amazing men who are vulnerable and who don't have people to talk to. Mm -hmm. I do. So I think that that's what I mean by coming back as a woman. As a woman, you talk to other people and therefore your life, is it is it more rich because of the connections you can have? Connections yeah. with your children, connections with your family, um, which I think, I don't know, it's just a nice experience. Yes. I'm not saying we have a better experience than men. I don't even... I don't well, even feel about isn't it. Well, it's just, different. But the thing is, it is what it is, isn't it? It's different. I don't men want to men, women are women. Exactly. And, and we should work together. I, yeah. I don't want to pitch us against each other is no. where I'm getting at in this conversation. So I but I would come back as a woman for those reasons. I'd definitely come back as a Why woman. Why would you come back as a woman? Tell me. Um not because of the why why and this is this comes from somebody who doesn't really didn't really enjoy having babies. By that, I mean the pregnancy, uh, giving birth. People don't talk about rubbish, that. Our rubbish at giving birth. Some people like it, don't they? Something and I'm like... different. Um, I, was, I was upset by the whole thing. I, did, I didn't like that. I loved you babies. You went mental. I, I did go mental briefly. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so glad I weren't there. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you weren't here. So that that's the thing. I I loved having babies, and I loved I love my children. I just I, what it is is I think I've got a really strong connection with other females as yes. well. I love female company. Me too. And I like that bonding that you get with mm. women. And and I think men miss out on that. 
Mm. I think, but that's the main reason. Mm. That's, you you know, just briefly going to the Arjuna monk thing. Oh, um, yeah. Just, you know, when he's talking about what do you believe in? Yeah. I ultimately decided what I believed in was the female spirit. And that's what I meditate on when we yeah. use the star word. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Just to explain who Arjuna is. Oh, that's going to be obscure. Is, is, it, yes, yeah. is, Arjuna is somebody who I would like to ask to do this, I think. I may approach him. What do you think? If you could if you could have a guest on here, who would you have? Arjuna, a thousand percent. So who is Arjuna? Right, so Arjuna. Magical being. Arjuna is a monk. Mm. Um, he's a modern monk. And he practices something called ascension meditation. And I... Uh, learned about Arjuna through doing personal development work with Paul Mort mm-hmm. and um, he kept talking about Arjuna I thought who the hell's Arjuna yes everyone's probably thinking yeah, now it, yeah <laughs> yeah and Arjuna um, I, it, you go to Richmond and you go and stay there and they do a weekend don't they where you learn about first fear med- meditation yeah we went together didn't we at the yeah start, well I you? went initially and it absolutely changed my life because it, it's not it's not a it's nothing spiritual, it's not a religion. It is ha- learning how to meditate and learning how to connect with your inner self and your inner peace. And that's what I needed at that particular moment. And I practice it every day, even now. Yeah. Um, and I periodically go back to Richmond to refresh my knowledge. And he's a, he's a very interesting man, isn't he? Yeah, very interesting, yeah. very learned and kind. Yeah, he's incredible, actually. Um, so then, he's um, an Ashaya monk. That's he's what an he Ashaya is. monk, isn't he's he? Shire and then there's the other they're, they're called people. the Bright Path Ishayas. Yes, yes, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. So, um, in terms of faith, then we're sort of talking about like spirituality, aren't we? Would you say that's like almost like a faith for you, or your spirituality is sort of meditation and embracing nature? I don't think it's a faith. I think it's more a way to be grateful and to keep grounded and the biggest thing that I try and practice every day is gratitude because I think if you can be grateful for everything you've got for you know for your family for your health I think you'll lead a more enriched life that's what I've come to believe I've got a question for you then um where's my mum and dad Mm. I think my mum and dad's They're in us. Oh, wow. What an answer. And they're in Rose and Lucy. Yeah. And James and Matilda. Why are you going to set me off now? I know, so you don't, think, you don't think they're floating on a cloud somewhere? Do I? Well, this present. Excuse me, Elvis No, Caroline. No, no. I think, I think a person's spirit lives on in the memories they create and what you pass down. And my legacy, I hope, will be my kids saying, do you know what, my mum, she was fantastic Mm. and she looked after us and she told us all these brilliant stories about her mum and we want to be the same as them and that's the best you can do, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You try your best. You don't know whether you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing at the end of the day, but... I, I, I just hope that, that that's where I think they are, the Renos. You know, when you look at, I mean, your little boy, James, when you look at him sometimes, you can see me dad. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, his name for Can you see dad. me grandma? Yeah, yeah, of course he can. When, when I look Another at... the magnificent female spirit. Oh, she were a legend, yeah. grandma. Of that's what I mean about that female power that seems to go down. There's like a thread of it, a vein of it, down mm. our 
Mm. Yeah, it starts with the wonderful Rose, who is my grandma's mum. Yeah. And she had 12 children, of course. Can and you she imagine was, I know. And she Didn't was, they have telly then, or what? Uh, well, they didn't, did they? They weren't on tells to do. They didn't have Netflix. <laughs> That's, what should we do? Have another baby? Yeah. Go on, And then. you know when air raid shelters used to go off? Yeah, because it were in the what? The, my grandma used to tell a story, and she used to say, Rose, she used to say, um, no, we're not going to the air raid shelter. She didn't want another baby. No, she. That, <laughs> no, she said we're not going to the air raid shelter. If we're going, we're all going together, and they get under the kitchen table. Oh, that's amazing. There's a house in Dodda. Um, but that that's the thing, isn't it? It's them these are that's the that's the richness of life, isn't it? It's your history. It's passing that history down and my children like nothing more to mm. know these stories. Yeah. Absolutely. About when you and me and you were little. They want to know about When you Rose. tried to kill me. Yeah. And they used to call her Rose, this um this lady. They used to call her Bonnie Rose and her husband were laughing Charlie. Oh. I bet he was with twelve kids. I bet he was. I bet he was. <laughs> Um, so finally then what's next for Rebecca ah Rebecca what are you going to do what's our kid going to do next what's our kid going to do next are you going to do um, uh, are you going to do something more with your work I or are know. you going to I don't know I'm in a bit of what I'm in I'm in that kind of mood at the minute where I'm reflecting I want to carry on doing what I do because I love it um I want to do a bit more travelling. Mm-hmm. I want more experiences. Because mm-hmm. I, um, I did a few things last year which were fantastic, one of which was walking over coals, hot coals, and I did the arrow breaking with my neck. What's um, arrow breaking? It was this uh, day that I did with Paul Moore. Weren't you a Viking? Oh, God, he was fabulous. A real yeah. Viking? Yeah, he had a Viking name. I think it was Loki or something Who like knew that I there were real Vikings? Like there are real Vikings. I, I like a Viking, Viking me. How do you get to be a Viking? I don't know. I think you just change your do name apply. and wander around with a big beard. <laughs> and that's on we are. Yeah, I think but as a, you can be a girl Viking too. But the thing is, is that what, what it was, is I'd gone on this day and it were in the middle of summer and I didn't even know it were going to happen. Right. And I remember going at Lou and looking outside and thinking, why is there a bonfire outside? This we are Vikings. There were a Viking stood there stoking flames on this. And I thought, well, what's this about? Anyway, what happened is then, halfway through this seminar, Paul Mort says, right then, we're going outside, we're going to go and meet John. And John, of course, it was all about personal development. John had had all these issues himself and, you know, had a midlife crisis and decided to, you know, I don't know what had happened to him, but he, he, he needed to do some soul searching and had found it within the flames. So he'd done <laughs> this huge bomb because there were two parts to it. We had to walk across these hot coals, which everyone knows what they are. But the arrow breaking was about, um, you ought to have seen this thing, it were about as long as this mic, that we're looking at it, whatever this mic stand is, it was as long as that, and as tough, it were really, really strong. There was a metal tip at the end, um, and the arrow, he had it on um, like a log slice, and he was holding it like that, and you had to stand in front of him and put the arrow on the, the soft part of your neck. Right. And what you've got to do is there, you walk towards him and it snaps. And of course you think, I'm going to die. This is what's going to happen, I'm going to die. Yeah. And it, it, it's about taking, you know, when you're scared of doing something and what all you need to do is do a, take a step in the right direction. Yeah. That's what it was about. It was about self-belief yeah. and taking that step and breaking the arrow. And it was so empowering. I've still got it at home. Sometimes, though, in life... 
I think that, and I, I know it's bringing it back to business or whatever. Well, it's we all, all about, about business. Yeah, well, we've, 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 I suppose business is about survival, which is in turn about life. But when I started off my own business, I remember being absolutely terrified and thinking, oh my God. And then I read this quote and it was just, do you know what? Sometimes you just have to jump off a cliff and just, you know, <laughs> flap build, your arms. build yeah, flap your arms <laughs> frantically. No, build wings on the way down. So that's exactly what the arrow break is about, mm. because what you did when you decided to start your business, you mm. took a step into the arrow. Yes. Will it penetrate me net? Will I die? Or mm. will it will it be the most empowering thing that ever happened to me? I see. And it was. I see. And bravo. I see. Little sister. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So um, all I can say, Rebecca, is thank you for everything. But also for coming and talking to me um, on my first podcast, because I knew you would be perfect, absolutely perfect, considering like everything you've done professionally. Uh, so thank you. And um, I'll see you later. Well, <laughs> thank you. Well, we have to cost them <laughs> <laughs> to continue. To continue. We'll just carry on in cost Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, then. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on this exciting new adventure. Remember to subscribe to Meet Caroline on your favourite podcast platform so you'll never miss an episode. If you'd like to contact me, send me an email on hello at cleardigital.co.uk or find me on LinkedIn. This is a Pod One production. For more information, visit pod1.co.uk. <laughs>